Hello everyone, this is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 23 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, very good. Okay, we're now going to get in part one of this week's show. Of course, you should know by now that part one is the review part where we review the fights that took place last week. And part two, of course, is the preview part where we preview the fights coming up this week. On the last five shows running, we've had three guests per show, but unfortunately, we don't have any on this week's show. So we've made it a bit of a lengthy um, review and preview part. So there's actually no guests on this week's show. So we're going to start on the Friday There was only one fight I really want to mention. Um, Prince Patel fought a guy called Juan Hinostroza. Now, Juan Hinostroza had also fought Charlie Edwards. Of course, there's been a lot of um, bad blood, a lot of back and forth between Charlie Edwards and Prince Patel. We also had Charlie Edwards on the show last week, of course, just coming off of his win um, last weekend on the Quick Frampton Undercard, the weekend before last, should I say. Um, So Prince Patel was facing... Juan Hinostroza and Juan Hinostroza fought Charlie Edwards over six rounds and Charlie Edwards won every round. You know, he won. Um, it was it was a points decision. He won all six rounds and he also had his man down in the first round. Um, Prince Patel, of course, he fought Juan Hinostroza and Prince Patel managed to get a draw. It was only a four rounder. It was a draw, though, it ended up being. And Prince Patel was also knocked down during that fight. So a lot of people that were ringside, it was one of those fights. It wasn't televised, but a lot of people ringside are saying that he was very, very fortunate to scrape a draw out of that performance. So um, a bit of a sort of a knockback, a little bit of a setback there for Prince Patel. Um, you know, of course, he w- he wants to be mentioned along with the the other flyweights in the country, like Charlie Edwards. Charlie Edwards beats this man every single round in six rounds, and then also drops him in the first round. Prince Patel gets put put down by the same man, and the guy the guy's actual record was three wins and five losses going into this fight. So. You know, Prince Patel should have really wiped the floor with him, to be honest. Um, We're going to now move over to Saturday. There was a return of a Mexican legend. Antonio Margarito returned to the ring with a record of 38 and 8. He was out the ring for a couple of years. He returned back against Jorge Paez Jr. And Margarito was actually knocked down in the sixth round, but went on to win unanimously after 10 rounds. I must admit, I find it very hard to find a link to see this fight. So I haven't actually seen it, but I'm not sure. You know, he's come back. He's fought this guy who was a decent opponent, to be totally honest, but he was put down in the sixth round. So when he does really step up the opposition, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how he looks against tougher opposition. Uh, We're going to move over now from Mexico straight over to Russia. We're going to start at the top of the bill. It was a little bit of a shock in some people's eyes, the result of this fight. Ruslan Shagayev put his WBA world heavyweight title on the line against Lucas Big Daddy Brown, the undefeated ex-bouncer, ex-doorman from Australia. Ruslan Shagayev, of course, was 37 years old. Lucas Brown, 36 years old. We talked about it. In, in pretty, you know, in quite a bit of depth last week. So Ruslan Shagayev managed to put Lucas Brown down in round six. And Lucas Brown looked all over the place. To be honest, he looked absolutely exhausted. And then they came out 
Um, he, he managed to get through the round, and he started quite quite okay, Lucas Brown, to be totally honest. He was boxing on the back foot. He was really sticking behind the jab, which we've never, ever seen Lucas Brown do, and nobody really thought he could do it, to be totally honest. So he was fighting like a complete, you know, a complete different man to to what we've seen uh, previously from Lucas Brown. So it shocked a lot of people, but he was fighting really well, to be totally honest. You've got to give credit to him. And then in the 10th round, the turn of the tide, because uh, Shagayev, you know, Lucas Brown was winning the early rounds, in my opinion. He was doing quite well. He was landing some good punches on Shagayev, who's got an absolutely fantastic granite chin. Uh, Lucas Brown was kind of tiring towards the latter rounds, you know, round seven, eight, nine, ten. He didn't look very good. Shagayev was coming on strong. Then suddenly they both kind of threw a right hook at each other. Um, Shagayev's hook caught Lucas Brown in the neck, didn't really do much um, much bother. And Lucas Brown, they literally hit each other at the same time. Lucas Brown caught him. He didn't see the punch coming. And next, next thing you know, Shagayev's on the floor. He got up. He looked all groggily. Uh, the referee let it carry on. And then Lucas Brown just absolutely jumped on him, which is what we like to see from fighters. He tried to, you know, jump in with that killer instinct and finish him off. And to be honest, I saw some of the punches that Lucas was throwing. He was giving it everything. He was absolutely exhausted, right? He was throwing every kind of punch he could throw. Some of them didn't even look like they would hurt a baby. He was just throwing everything he could. He was just absolutely, you know, trying to get him out of there. And in the end, he caught him with a few big punches and they were unanswered. And the referee jumped in and stopped it, jumped in and waved it off. And I must say, it was in Russia. It was very hostile for Lucas Brown. They even spelled his name with a K, L-U-K-A-S, Brown. Um, I, I must say, it was very hostile. Uh, there was, of, of course, everybody was behind Shagayev. There was hardly anyone in the arena supporting Brown, apart from his corner and all that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of noise when Shagayev was coming forward. And I think the, the referee... Who, who I believe waved it off at the right time. But sometimes you see this, these types of fights when they're in somebody's backyard and they go down and then they get back up. You know, they were winning some of the rounds. The referee's a bit sort of hesitant to, to jump in and stop it because they're thinking, oh, you know, we're in the backyard here. I don't really want to, you know, stop the fight prematurely, especially, of course, it's the home fighter. But to be totally honest, I think the referee done a great job. And Lucas Brown now, you know, he goes to show that a lot of people... I'm sure he'll be saying that if I can do it, anyone can do it. He was a doorman. He was a bouncer. He was a big guy, of course. He's always been a big guy. He's turned to boxing. And here he is, 24-0 and 0 now. And he's the WBA World Heavyweight Champion. Of course, this is the regular title. The super champion, it's all a bit confusing in the WBA. But the super champion is Tyson Fury. The regular champion is Lucas Brown. And the interim champion, all of these belts, by the way, are WBA belts. The interim champion is Luis Ortiz, who also had a fight on the same night. We're going to move over to that shortly. Um, on the undercard, Edmund Gerber fought Brian Minto. Edmund Gerber moves now to 26-2. and two. Brian Minto looked absolutely terrible. And like I say, the fight was stopped in the second round. Moving over to the UK now, the Genting Arena in Birmingham, West Midlands. Top of the bill, Sam Eggington fought Bradley Skeet. Of course, we had Bradley Skeet on last week's show. Sam Eggington defending his 
British and Commonwealth welterweight titles against Bradley Ski. It was a nice bit of business. We like to see this, a little bit of business between Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren. So Bradley Ski, of course, Frank Warren's fighter, went over to Birmingham, the backyard of Sam Eggington. And something I pointed out, actually, Bradley Ski, all of his previous fights, every single one of the 23 fights he had were all in London. So he, he was actually traveling for the first time in his professional career. Um, it was a good fight. It started it started a little bit cagey, to be honest. There was a few close rounds at the start. Sam Eggington had a decent-ish start. As the rounds went on, round four, five, six, seven, I'm sure you'll agree with me, Ayers, as well. Bradley Skeet looked absolutely sensational. His hands were down. He was countering Sam Eggington. He was leading with his right hand at some points, um, Bradley Skeet. He just absolutely looked phenomenal, to be honest. He was mugging Sam Eggington off for, for, for quite a few rounds in that fight. And he really, he just looked like, he looked amazing. He looked absolutely amazing. He looked perfect. What do you think, Ayers? Yes, what you're saying is right. Bradley Skeet did very good as well, and that's why he won the title. It'll be interesting to see what's next here for Bradley Skeet. Of course, Sam Eggington, this doesn't really write him off. He's record now 17-3, and three, Sam Eggington, but I'm sure he'll bounce back off that. We know what a character he is. He's only 22 years old. Bradley Skeet, after winning the belts, the very next day, he shot straight down to Greenwich. Greenwich, of course, in London, and um, he put his belt. he took his belts with him, and he put them alongside him on the bench of Dean Powell. Of course, Dean Powell was Bradley Skeet's mentor, mentor and Dean Powell's now been, um, he's, he's been deceased for about two years now, but Bradley Skeet went straight down there. It was on Mother's Day as well. So um, I know that Bradley's, Bradley's mum was up in Birmingham as well. She was ringside. So really, really nice touch there from Bradley Skeet. You know, it meant a lot to him. He was very emotional in his post-fight interview, actually, in the ring. Um, he didn't come to tears or anything, but he, you could see it, it really meant a lot to him winning this fight. So, you know, great things for Bradley Skeet's future and um, all the best to him because he's a really nice fella. Moving down that bill, Cal Yafai. Talk to me about this fight, Ayers, because to be honest, there's not much to say about it. He absolutely demolished Dixon Flores. Yeah, my God. He was amazing. He just finished, what you're saying is right. He literally finished Dixon Flores off in one round with that body shot. Yeah, and he he looks sensational. We do want to see him in there with you know, some some serious... We want to see him in there with a world champion. Let's have it right. This guy was was no joke, even though his record didn't look fantastic. A record of 12 wins, four losses and two draws, Dixon Flores. That's after the fight, of course. It was uh, 12 and three with two draws before the fight. So he's now got four losses, but he's still got a high ranking even after this fight. You know, he was he's a decent fighter. Of course, he fought... Um, Carlos Cuadras for the title, Carlos Cuadras, 32-0 and with one draw. And that was, of course, for his WBC title. But yeah, it was a decent-ish fight. He got stopped in the fifth round. But no, you know, at the end of the day, Cal Yafai, who, of course, was only 17-0 and going into this fight, he's fought a, you know, a guy who's fought for the world title. At the end of the day, that, that is what it is. The facts are that that is the case. And Cal Yafai demolished him in one round, which no one's ever done to Dixon Flores. So fantastic. You know, he was down twice. And of course, he was finished by that left to the body, which was is <laughs> incredible, to be totally honest. A fantastic body punch from Cal Yafai. And also on that bill, Bobby Jenkinson was defending his Commonwealth Super Bantamweight title against Gamal Yafai. Of course, that's the brother of Cal Yafai. Gamal Yafai was 8-0 going into this fight. Bobby Jenkinson was 9-1 with one draw. Gamal Yafai won the fight in the seventh round via KO. And again, Gamal Yafai looked really good. He had a cut 
actually, which which appeared on his left eyebrow in the fourth round. It was from an accidental head clash. And we wasn't sure if the fight was going to have to be stopped prematurely, but he went on to box a really good fight and he done really well. Jenkinson was down in the sixth round and again in the seventh where it was stopped. That's really it for UK. So I'm now going to move over to USA now. Top of the bill over in Washington. Lewis Ortiz, of course, the interim WBA heavyweight champion. He faced Tony Thompson. Lewis Ortiz went into this bout with a record of 24-0. and 0. Tony Thompson, 40 wins and six losses. Now, I did say last week that I thought that Tony Thompson would get stopped within six rounds. You said that he would get stopped, I think it was seven between round seven and nine, something like that. I got this one right, as um, he was stopped in the sixth round. Thompson was actually down in the first round, in the third round, and then finally down in the sixth round. Um, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen this fight, and I, I'm pretty surprised it took all of six rounds to get Tony Thompson out there because I think he's absolutely finished and he really should think about retiring. I know he's a, quite a tricky fella. I'd like to see him in there with a few prospects, to be totally honest. You know, but he's he's past it. He's not at that top level anymore. He's, he's not at that top level whatsoever. On the undercard, of course, Jesse Vargas, he was facing Saddam Ali. Now, a lot of people were tipping Saddam Ali to be the next best thing in the welterweight division. You know, a prospect coming up. Jesse Vargas, 26-1. and 1. Saddam Ali, 22-0. and 0. Again, this was for the vacant WBO World Welterweight title. The one that was previously held by Tim Bradley, Manny Pacquiao, uh, Floyd Mayweather. And Jesse Vargas picked up the TKO in the ninth round. Now, Saddam Ali was down in rounds eight and nine. So this was sort of viewed as a bit of a shock in the boxing world. So all the best to Jesse Vargas. Also, now moving over to Pennsylvania, there was a card over there. The Philadelphian fighter, Julian J. Rock Williams, he topped that bill. He's a prospect to watch, of course. He moves to 22-0 and with the one draw, with a TKO over Marcelo Matano, who had a record of 16-1 and going into that fight. So he's now 16-2. and So that's definitely a name to look out for, Julian Williams. He's in the 154 division, if you didn't know already. And that's definitely one to look out for for the future. There's a couple of things that we're going to mention now that's not boxing related they are mma related just a couple of results from the weekend of course um yeah we've seen some shocks take place in the ufc didn't we i as i mean of course holly holmes the girl who beat uh, ronda rousey knocked ronda rousey out she got beat by maisha tate and that was a really good fight, by the way. I don't really like seeing two girls beat the crap out of each other, but that was a really good fight. And then, of course, the biggest shock of all, the guy who's been calling out Mayweather for ages, he's, he, you know, he's going to fight Mayweather in a boxing match. A lot of people were convinced that he would beat Mayweather and knock him out and all this other rubbish. And, well, all the hype has been ended now, as of course. Conor McGregor defeated by Nate Diaz. Again, this guy, from what I know, only had 11 days to prepare for the fight, Nate Diaz. And in my personal opinion, any man at the top of their respective sports, whether it be Mayweather in boxing, whether it be, I don't know, you know, anyone in their respective sports shouldn't be beaten by another competitor who's only had 11 days to prepare for the fight. That's just... That just goes to show that it was all just hype. You know, if Mayweather fought a guy who only had 11 days notice and then he ended up getting beat, that would be his whole legacy tarnished in one in one second, really. So uh, Conor McGregor looked really well in the fight, didn't he, Ayers, at one point? And then suddenly the tables turned and um, Nate Diaz got him on the floor and choked him out. I reckon it was a good fight, but obviously McGregor lost. Didn't he move up two weight classes as well? 
Yes, I believe so. Again, um, we're not. I'm not too savvy on on MMA and UFC and stuff like that. Boxing's my sport, but I believe so. Yes. Yeah, uh, it, like in with this guy, yeah, I thought McGregor was going to win. A lot of people thought McGregor was the he was the favorite to go in the fight, but in, in UFC, it's just exactly like boxing. Like anything can happen. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But at the end of the day, in a way, I mean, I don't want to see him lose. You know, he's an Irishman. I like Irishmen, you know. I want I want Europeans to do well, especially in a sport where there's so many guys from, you know, America and stuff like that. I like to see the Europeans win and 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 stuff like that, and the British win. But again, this this kind of it's a good thing for boxing in some ways because this has really ended the discussion. You know, nobody nobody now is surely going to sit there and think that McGregor would seriously knock out Mayweather in a boxing match. So hopefully, but again, we're not going to talk too much about UFC because this is a boxing podcast and that's what we do. And people might watch this who know more about UFC than us and think that we're trying to talk as if we know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. I'm just being brutally honest. There's one tiny little piece of news that I, as is going to bring us, um, of course, I now believe that Billy Joe Sauna's next opponent has been revealed. I, as, would you like to tell us who it is? Billy Joe Saunders will make the first defense of his WBO World Middle Middleweight title against Max Bursak at the Copper Box Arena on April 30th. Yeah, a decent little fight. A lot of people they're, they're taking to Twitter to say, "Oh, this is terrible. This is this is awful." Blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, I understand what they're saying. Max Bursak, good fighter, arguably over the hill. I don't think the last five or six fights he's had, he's, he's he hasn't really had many wins. I think he may have lost three of his last six. So a lot of people not too sure about him, but he really is one of those guys that only the hardcores know. I knew about him, of course. I'm sure you knew about him as well, Ayaz, but a lot of people not really familiar with his name. But I'm telling you, it's going to be a really decent fight whilst it lasts. But of course, we've got, we got to stick with Billy Joe. I think Billy Joe, really, really good fighter. And to be totally honest, underrated. Okay, that's the end of part one. That's the end of the review side of things. We're now going to pass you straight on to part two. There is going to be no break. We're going to go straight on to part two right now. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, is the preview part where we preview the fights coming up this weekend. We're going to start in Wales. We're going to start with one fight in Wales. Of course, it's a prospect to watch. Andrew Selby, he looks to move to 4-0. and oh. He's facing Brett Fido. Brett Fido, again, a guy who who fought Charlie Edwards, of course. Again, there's just so much going on. They're all fighting common opponents. It's all in the flyweight division. Andrew Selby, Prince Patel, and Charlie Edwards. Uh, Now, that's it for Friday. We're going to move over to Saturday. David Lemieux, he returns to the ring after his demolishing, really, to Gennady Golovkin. So Lemieux looks looks to move to 35 wins professionally. And, of course, he's got the three losses. That's it's only a 10-rounder. It's in the middleweight division, of course. He faces James De La Rosa, who has a record of 23 and 3. Moving over now from Canada to France on that bill, Ivan Mendy. Ivan Mendy, I'm not sure, particularly sure how it's said. He faces Samir Kasmi. So, of course, Ivan Mendy, 33 and 4 with the one draw. He, of course, famously beat Luke Campbell on the undercard of. Joshua White, of course, not too long ago in December of last year. And of course, Samir Kazmi has a record of 19 and 11 with one draw. That's for the WBC International Lightweight title 
Also on that bill, up at middleweight, of course, only an eight-rounder this one, Hassan and Dam, ex-world champion, of course, 31-2 and two, his record going into this fight against Patrick Mendy with a record of 16-9 and nine with one draw. Hassan and Dam, a really good fighter. Moving over now to Germany, Jürgen Bremer, 47-2. and two. What a record that is. He faces off against Edward Gucknetsch. Now, of course, Gucknetsch, 29-3 and three with one draw. Decent little fight, this one. I really think it's going to be quite a good scrap. WBA World Light Heavyweight title on the line. Of course, that is the title that Jürgen Bremer holds. Nothing else in Germany. We're now going to move over to Mexico. And this is a really, really, really strange fight, okay? Top of the bill over there, Miguel Burchelt. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but he has a record of 28 wins and one loss. 25 of those 28 wins coming by way of knockout. He's the interim WBO World Super Featherweight Champion. He faces George Jupp. Now, people will be familiar with him because he, of course, recently defeated Mitchell Smith. So George Jupp beating Mitchell Smith that now jumps straight into a interim WBO World title fight. So this is going to be a really tough fight for George Jupp. This really is going to be a tough fight. I don't know much about this Mexican fella, but he's got an absolutely cracking record. Obviously, he can bang with all those knockouts. So an absolutely huge, huge, huge mountains I climb here for George Jupp. But all the best to George Jupp. I hope he does well in that fight. Also now coming back over to the UK, Echo Arena, Liverpool, Top of the bill, Terry against Derry. Of course, it's Terry Flanagan, 29-0, and 0, against Derry Matthews, 38-9 and 9, with two draws. This is, of course, for Terry Flanagan's WBO World Lightweight title. How do you see this fight, Guy and Ayaz? What do you think? What's your thoughts on this fight? I reckon this is a very good fight, and I reckon this is, this is a fight that's going to go to points. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think Terry Flanagan's looked really good of late. Um, who are you? Who are you? Who are you picking to win in this fight? Terry Flanagan. Yeah, I have to go with that as well. I have to go with that as well. I think Terry Flanagan. Um, he's 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 the fresher, of course, of the fighters. I think Derry has had his sort of chance. I think he's he's kind of over the hill now, but a good guy as well. You know, it really does come down to made the best man win. I don't I don't want Terry Flanagan to win any more than I want Derry Derry Matthews to win. I just want the best man to win. So, best of luck to both fellas that are participating in that fight. It's cracking for the you know for the Echo Arena to see a world title fight yet again. Also on that bill, Zolani Tete. A lot of people will be familiar with him. He, of course, defeated Paul Butler. So Zolani Tete now 22-3. and three. He faces Jose Santos Gonzalez, who has a record of 22-3 and three as well. So somebody is going to pick up a fourth loss and somebody's going to pick up a 23rd win. So this is, of course, a good fight. I like to see two guys with the exact same record. We don't really know much about Jose Santos Gonzalez, but it's for the vacant IBF international bantamweight title. Also on that bill, Tommy Langford, he looks to move to 16-0. and 0. He faces Lewis Taylor, who has a record of 18 wins, one loss and one draw. This is for the WBO intercontinental middleweight title. Of course, that's the title that Tommy Langford holds. Also, another good fight on this bill which is really quite interesting to be honest. Matty Askin 19 and 3 with one draw. He faces Simon Barkley 
who, of course, is a cruiserweight prospect coming up. Only 8-0 at the moment, Simon Barkley. But a lot of people expect big things for him. So it's going to be interesting. A really tough fight. It's kind of gone under the radar. That's for the English cruiserweight title that, of course, Matty Eskin holds. And there's been a bit of confusion whether or not it's happening. I'm not sure what's going on at the minute. There's been a bit of news. I'm not sure what's going on. But hopefully the fight does end up taking place. Rigondo, of course, on that bill as well arguably the the best pound-for-pound fighter in world boxing. He faces Jezza Dickens in a 10-round contest in the Super Bantamweight division. Of course, Rigondo 16-0, Jezza Dickens 21-1. That one loss coming to Kid Galahad. Also on that bill, Vijender Singh. He looks to move to 4-0, another fight for him. And also on that bill, of course, in his hometown, again, this was the guy that fought Zolani Tete. And Zolani Tete, of course, defeated him. Ex-world champion Paul Butler, of course. Paul Butler now 20 wins and one loss. His opponent hasn't yet been announced, but he's fighting for the WBO European Super Flyweight title. Kevin Satchel is also on the bill. He looks to move to 15-0. and 0. It's only an eight-rounder. Again, he's down at flyweight. There's a lot going on in the flyweight division at the moment. His opponent is yet to be announced also. We're now going to move over to Las Vegas, of course, top of the bill, Zab Judah. We haven't seen him in a ring for quite a while. It'd be interesting to see what he has left. His record now, 42 wins, nine losses. He faces Josh Torres, who has a record of 15 wins, four losses and two draws. That's only a 10-rounder, of course, in the super lightweight division, which is, of course, the 140 division. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 23 of the Box Hub podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A massive shout out if you've managed to listen this far. Thank you very much for your ears. Again, we tried to keep it a little bit lengthy today. We talked in depth about numerous fights. So thank you very much for listening to all of that and listening, of course, to another show of the Box Hub podcast. We'll be back next week with another buster of a show. Keep liking, keep subscribing, keep following, keep retweeting and favoriting. And we'll see you next week. Take care.